0: and welcome to two pints of maggots and a packet of hooks the fishing podcast and this is the very very last episode of 20 Twenty-one, and that's why for those of you that join on YouTube you'll get to see my lovely little face for this opening piece and the reason why is because I wanted to say face to face although digitally um, a big big thank you for everybody that's listened to the show everybody that's offered words of advice and support uh, and any comments that you've passed over onto social media as well. The podcast in general has grown exponentially since series two began. I took a short break around May time and since we came back, um, since then it really has it has gone crazy. The word has spread and uh, as I've said before, as long as people keep listening, then I'll continue to keep doing these. But I need to take a break. Um, these are quite exhausting, believe it or not, even though they're only every couple of weeks. There's a lot of time and energy spent preparing and, and putting in, my 100% effort, which I always do. Um, so it's time for a break. It might be mid-November, um, but five or six weeks off will do me the world of good. So I want to wish everybody a happy Christmas when it comes around. And of course, I'll see you in the new year. But before I let you go, um, of course, for this episode, we've got a great lineup. As always, we look in the press pack where we look at the uh, the, the weekly press, and times, social media, um, and of course, the monthly magazines as well. Followed up by the big chat. Big chat on this episode. Fantastic. We've got Mark Pollard. And, and the word that I use to describe Mark uh, during the intro is iconic. He is one of the most iconic match anglers. Certainly, one of the most recognized, I imagine, on the bank. So, Polly will be joining me for the big chat, and it is fascinating listening, I promise you. Um, and then, last but not least, of course, we have the tackle shed. There's loads of stuff coming out in the shops all of a sudden. Um, maybe it was that slow boat that was stuck um, in the Suez Canal. I don't know, but there's lots of gear going into the tackle shops. But I've had a wander around my local shop at Fishing Evolution, and uh, I can promise you uh, those shelves are getting stacked. So, we can have a look at that too. So, Without further ado, let's crack on with the big chat.
1: Teddy Fisher Baits
2: specialise in the manufacture of fishing ground bait and additives. We combine a 40-year-old proven fish catching recipe and the experience of our skilled team. Fishing is an adventure and here
1: at Teddy Fisher we strive to make that
2: adventure a success. Go to www.teddyfisher.co.uk
0: to see our full range of baits. Hi and welcome to The Big Chat. And on this episode, we've got another absolute belter. For my special guest sat in the big chair for The Big Chat, it's Matrix-backed match fishing icon, Mr Mark Pollard. How are you, sir?
2: All right, Dave. Yeah, And you should have added there Hinders consultant as well on ground baits.
0: You are free to add that. You've just done it yourself. Look at that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No, hey, listen, I don't think I've ever used the term icon before on any of these podcasts. And I think you're number 16, if I remember rightly. So, uh, yeah, I've never used it because I think it's one of those where the name just rolls off the tongue when it comes to match fishing. Yourself, Mark Pollard, Mark Bird, we'll get to that later on. And it's just one of those names that I think... Anybody that fishes matches just knows who you are. Do you, does everyone recognise you when you're on an open? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> just, I, um, I, I'm i just me. I love me fishing. I talk to anyone um, and just love being on the bank. But um, it's, if you can get carried away, little, because I, I say I'm just me, so I go to matches, I'm fishing, and I and I'll chat to anyone. And I've heard it so many times from different people. I'd come up and say, oh, you, you spoke to Brian, mate. He was over, over the moon. You couldn't believe you spoke to him. But I'm just a fisherman. That's yeah. all I am at the end of the day. I just love me fishing. And if I can help people out, I will. And if I can tell them how I'm fishing, how I'm catching, I will. If they can catch better than me, i will know how they've done it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how
0: you improve, isn't it?
2: Well, of course it is. Of course it is. You never stop learning fishing because it's fishing, not catching.
0: Yes. Yes, great. And now, there's a, there's a soundbite for the listeners for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fishing, not catching. We all want to catch, we all go fishing to catch, but we never go catching,
0: we go fishing. We do, yeah, Yeah. no, absolutely. Now, I I know you've listened to a few of these podcasts before, Max. so you know there's a bit of a theme to how we run this big chat section. Essentially, it's called sort of past, present and future. So we'll delve in a little bit, sort of how you got into your fishing, um, what got you sort of where you are today, which is, (laughs) with all the greatest respect, Um, You know a a veteran of match angling, so it's a long career you've had so far and then of course sort of your future Plans as well. So how did it kick off for you Matt? Was it your dad took you down the canal or something along those (laughs) lines, how did it start?
2: Yeah, it has been my dad taking me and my brother fishing when we were younger. We used to go uh, to Eaton Ford On the river. My dad was a mad pigeon racer (laughs) So we really went fishing. We went summertime a bit on the canal but it was mainly through winter time when the pigeon racing had stopped. We used to go all weathers on the river, on the ooze, yeah. Eaton Ford near St. Neots, on Luton Club's water and fish the river, be it flooded. Like I remember in carrying us across the fields that were flooded with the gear and that, that we'd get on higher bank of fish. and fish. Uh, well, the rivers used to be fantastic then because you had power stations. There used to be a power station at St. Neots. They'd just reinstalled one a yeah. few years back. But it's not the same. You used to have steam coming off the river and you could, our uh, bleak, it was trying to get through the bleak. And as kids, we loved catching the bleak um, yeah. because they were easy to catch. And it was just, it was just catching fish, it was just brilliant. Just loved every minute. And we went from there, we went, um, used to go on the rivers and we used to fish the Lewton and Club Christmas match that, the, that was at Eaton Ford on their stretch of the ooze there mm. in St. minutes. And that's what got sort of into match fishing. Um, I got into match fishing as a junior and then it got me dad to get into the matches as well, and it, it just went from there. It was just that was the start of it. So it was my dad taking us fishing, me and my brother. It was like a a day out really, because we used to. It was always winter time. I remember we used to get a fire going and put uh, jacket potatoes in there, and oh. yeah, it was great. It was it, it, the fishing was was most. Um, most of the day, but there was other things, you know, so run around in the woods, and yeah, it was just a day out, you know, with children day out the
0: family. B- being boys, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. It was just being out in out, out with nature, which was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Better being stuck indoors.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Is, is that was that competitive part because you was like with your brother? I guess you wanted to beat him straight away, didn't you?
2: Well, when we was out, when we was fishing, we we'd always use keepnecks and look at what we'd caught. And my dad, dad and his friend, they always had roach in their necks. Well, me and my brother, we had just a piece of line tied to the rod. He didn't have a reel. Yeah. Which, because it wasn't poles and whips and things, and I went, mean, oh, Christ, I'm 58, so that's like 50, 53 years ago. It was between five and seven when he was taking us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then when we got a reel, we could cast and we could fish deeper and we started catching roach and... But it was always at the end. You looked at what's in the next who caught the most. And
0: yeah, yeah.
2: It really was brilliant, absolutely brilliant.
0: It's funny as well. You know, I think back as well when I was a kid and, and sort of matches, and I, and I think that's what it was. It's because when you're with your mates and you just want to, you just want to beat them. You know, I think once you realise that you can catch fish, it, yeah. that's great. And yeah. it's then well, can you catch more than the next person? And, and you know, or like yeah. I remember Rob Hughes on one of the previous episodes. He said he he started where it was he was at a crossroads. And he was either going to go to the right and it would have been match fishing because he wanted to catch more than his mates but actually yeah. went to the left and he wanted to catch a bigger one than his mates and yeah. i see where that sort of line is drawn into sort yeah. of competitions yeah. or specimen yeah. world you see yeah i think it's everyone. what's
2: what's in you that that drives you to carry on that it with me it was it was trying to catch in a swim We'd because we were trying to catch the most out of that swim and i remember when it was flooded, with we used to ledger cheese okay down yeah. the middle and in and, and them days you catch a chub out of any peg mm. but it didn't thrill me catching one sort of two to three pound chub which is a big chub thing that many yeah. years ago but to catch lots of fish and then fishing probably as we did the uh lutein club christmas match which got us into match fishing um i wanted a win it, that you get that sort of winning that com- competitive edge that you want to to win, but not so much winning, it's improving your angle. How's that boat caught all them bream yeah. or has caught all them roach? <laughs> you want to do it.
0: <laughs> do, do you remember your first match win?
2: Yes, I do, which would have been, um, I think it was the Derek Tickley Cup as a junior, um, and it was at Eton Ford on the river. Um, I think I had something like £2.15. Mm -hmm. used to catch between a pound 15 and maybe three and a half pounds on the junior matches but yeah it was on the river I remember we're standing in the water with the boots because i didn't have waders then and sucking a bag down the the river and catching danny ruff bleak little days and a few roach yeah brilliant i mean then when it was junior matches a guy called john soper run the matches and he was getting sort of between 40 and 70 juniors yes on a match um but fishing was everything like i say you didn't have computer games you could sit in your no. bedroom and it was brilliant absolutely brilliant and you used to have like coaches and but they've died out now but yeah it just it was brilliant
0: there are a, you're right there are a lot of distractions now aren't there and it is different oh, but i mean yeah. i look across social media and I, and there is a bit of a resurgence. and certainly some clubs are a more Productive than others I think it's how they go about it But what's your thoughts On sort of Junior angling And kids coming through now Do you see many on the bank On your matches
2: Uh, to, To be fair From Covid has done Has created Such a surge In the angling fraternity Be it If you've got a tackle shop If you're a wholesaler If you've got a commercial fishery It's really boosted fishing Because People When Covid hit and then certain restrictions were lifted, you couldn't go to a football match if you went to watch football matches, you couldn't go and play football, you couldn't go and play golf even, but you could go fishing. Mm. And a lot of people that used to go fishing got back into it, and obviously if they'd got children, they took them, and it was just it was just unbelievable. Go back nearly two years, and it, as, as COVID just lifted a little bit, it was just everybody went fishing. It was yeah. just ridiculous. Um, and you've got a big percentage of those people that have been fishing. Obviously, because I do coaching as well. Yeah. Uh, my coaching, the phone went, and my bookings for coaching was just stupid. And it wasn't just one to one. It was like I was taking like a father and son. I took a father and two daughters. Wow. Uh, yeah. Took them fishing because they couldn't do anything else. And like I get a phone call. Yeah, I haven't been fishing for probably about twenty years because started up a family, done this, but. Obviously, I just like to get back into it because it's something I can do now, but I just need like a refresher course.
1: Mm.
2: And the trouble is, people that haven't been fishing, say, for 20 years.
1: Well, the tackle.
2: Oh, yeah. And and actually, the the fishing, the tactics, because 90% of fishing now is commercial. Yeah, of course. It's just such a big part of it. And where I do both, you know, I can take people, I can take them commercial, I can take them natural fishing. But the beauty is, is seeing their faces because it's something they probably wouldn't have done, and because of COVID, it's got people back into fishing. And like I've just, i, was, I was said, probably 100% of the people I've took out just think, why the hell did I stop?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Which is fantastic, but you know, for everybody that's involved in in the in the fishing game, because it's just it's just like a shot in the arm for everyone.
0: It's just unbelievable. It has, and I think the good if the good thing is the license sales are buoyant as well, so they've not dropped off yeah. in those last 18 months that yeah. perhaps they, they could have bought a bit of kit and then decided to throw it back in the garage or the shed or whatever, but they're actually continuing going, which, you know, long may that continue. It's it's great. Um, but like I say, now hopefully, um, in time, we'll see, like I say, some clubs are having a, a bounce with the kids, but hopefully yeah. over long term, that will grow even further as well, and and they'll come to that, you know, crossroads match fishing specimen fishing maybe a bit of fly fishing who knows but as long as people are fishing it's all good for us isn't it
2: yeah but you have got it's like commercials with youngsters fishing it's a big um a big upturn in in like um people going and that have carried on going as the weather hits i know we we haven't had severe winters like we used to have now with global warming which will help as well. But it's just good to see there's definitely more youngsters going fishing. Yeah. But it's keeping the fishing. The only thing that's not really in place because youngsters haven't really been going, I mean, I started with uh, Luton Juniors and I donated a few cups when I left and started uh, making me name in fishing. But there's no junior section now.
1: That, no.
2: But the trouble is there's not um, enough uh, junior run uh, group or clubs or what to, to run juniors but there are a few and people are starting to get a little bit more involved so hopefully maybe we'll, we will see a, a surge in um, more juniors or, or groups or places they can go clubs and that. i know there are still a few clubs that have got junior sections but it, a lot have dropped off because the juniors want going fishing like mm-hmm. they were in the bedroom playing games his video games and other things you know so hopefully if they can get back into it because the ones that I took out I thoroughly enjoyed it
0: yeah it's no good. absolutely and kids are switched yeah. on now they pick things up really quick as well not like when when I was a youngster I think school made me made me thicker yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to process things a bit But kids seem to be more switched on so yeah, yeah it's just, good
2: just thinking there Dave I took uh, this father and son out and the lad I think he was 14, I think it was 14, it might have been 13, 14, and these ducks are swimming. And it, it was amazing because so I brought my son along because I want to try and get him into it. Mm. And to be fair, his son done most of the fishing. We was chucking a method for we went to Alders Farm,
1: yeah. and it was
2: just a car per chuck. It was brilliant because all the pleasure rangers that were out fishing, they could actually moved nearer and nearer up because we were fishing. But anyway. Um, and he, he said to his dad, he said, Dad, can those ducks fly? and I didn't say he said yeah yeah, yeah yeah of course they can yeah but it just I thought well how many youngsters are there and he's just say he's 14 for instance he's never seen a duck fly and I thought well if he's not going out into the nature, like mm. I'd just, of course ducks fly you know I mean it's just it's common sense but to me it is yeah but there's certain things that it's not just fishing it's just you're learning so much more you know, I know bird watchers that have never seen a kingfisher. Christ, I've seen millions. Yeah, but,
0: absolutely. Yeah, you know, it,
2: it's, it's it's not just fishing, there's a lot more to it. And I don't know how you get that across to, to get youngsters into fishing, but definitely there's more youngsters going fishing now, but it's keeping them going. So hopefully, you know. Hopefully, I
0: agree. Well. It's just it's about that longevity, isn't it? But about, about yourself yeah, yeah. and back to this junior piece. Then, so you yeah, yeah. you moved from the junior section. I guess what did you then start entering opens or did you join like the adult no, section of your no, club?
2: I started in the juniors and first when I started, what happened was it was a small junior section. They got a few trophies, and you had one senior. You'd only get probably six or seven juniors turned up the first year. As I started fishing a few junior matches, and we would be we'd be between two seniors because mm. it'd be on the rivers you want commercials then um and then the following this guy john Soper started up uh running the juniors and got a lot together and all the matches were on the canals and he was getting a lot of anglers there and i just got the bug for it then and then i started fishing because my dad got into them fishing the club matches the senior matches yeah and then when i was 14 15 i was fishing the senior uh, club championship and inter-club championship and then I think I won both of them and then that got me because I was fishing more matches with other and then there was a um, a group started it was uh, it wasn't it was, it was Black Horse. it was uh, uh, like a team fishing was for that a pub? no it I, it originated from a pub but it was a guy called Colin Colbeck who was the captain who um, sort of run the
1: team
2: yeah, and he just picked some youngsters you know that could thought, sort of 17 to 20 year olds guys getting them together and that and as I started to make make my name like winning the club matches they asked me to join them and that was then went Mark Bird and Mark Bird was fishing with the Vauxhall club and he was in the uh, black horse uh, squad or team and then asked me to come along and join and I joined them we started fishing the I think it was the Cambridge Winter League mm-hmm. it was then. There was a team called Bee Crofts that had won it every year, and we we joined we came joint first with them, but they beat us by sexual means or weight. I can't quite ah, remember. But yeah, get, getting into the, getting in that was the first sort of insight into sort of open match fishing.
0: Now this, that's interesting. So tell me, just there's a, there's a gap there where you've gone from you've won a few of these. T- uh Junior trophies Intermediates You get approached To join this team Of young guys How yeah. was you learning Did you have like A mentor Was someone Was you just learning On the job Or was well, somebody yeah. Giving you tips
2: No I I learned a lot When I was fishing The club matches As a junior If I Because you'd go For walks And you'd oh, There's a guy Called Bert Holliday. I I know He's not alive now it was a bit like Ray Mumford. He used to have a suit on. He made it up in the front. And when he turned around, it got splits in it and rips from behind.
0: <laughs> Slack, slacks and uh, slip-on <laughs> shoes.
2: Yeah. But I mean, what you used to wear there, I mean, not like the clothing we've got now. You'd put on three pairs of socks yeah. to Keep your feet warm with these. You'd have two or three pairs of trails. There's no proper waterproofs or... No. But it's, it's come on leaps and bounds now. But, yeah, so... We joined this squad... And we started, like, winning a few team events, but we was fishing open matches as a squad. Like, we'd all go and fish um, the open at only on the ooze and there'd be, like, 10 or 12 of us going and fish down. We'd yeah. go under Black Horse. Um, but as a squad, we'd go out and have, like, on a, a Saturday, or even a Sunday, it might be, if they want a match... We'd go and fish practice somewhere and we'd walk along and watch each other LF fishing, and or we'd have a practice on the venue that we're fishing the following week. Yeah. And you just see how LF fishing and how you're doing that and how you're feeding and sort of learn off each other. But as a junior, there's a guy called Dave Britton and Mark Titley, I learned ever such a lot from. Very good anglers. In fact, I don't think Mark's fishing now, but Dave Britton is.
0: Oh, they're still Dave with us, eh? Great. And they're still yeah, fishing. They're still,
2: yeah they still fishing and winning with I think it was Caddington Club, um he was with he fishes some local uh, commercials around where I live here in Bedford. Um but I've seen it two or three times, got chat. He was he was so pleased that I recognised him and you know, <laughs> that I nice. spoke to him. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um and, and still winning matches he is with the club he's with. Caddington, yeah. I think the club's called or Toddington. Toddington. Oh anyway. Um but yeah, but I learned you just learn as you're going, but what sticks in my mind is this i going back to this guy Bert Holliday. They said, Oh, Bert's catching and you know, I wasn't catching, I thought I'd take a walk and before when I was watching him that I thought, God, how's he doing that? And I walked and so I was watching him and I'm thinking, Well, I'll go back and I can do better than that. He's no, I can, you know, I used to go yeah. back and then and then it was me that was winning then and catching yeah. fish and I suppose it's a little bit self-taught and watching people. Um, You've either got it or you haven't. Mm. Um, I always say there's a lot of good anglers that can't feed, catch a few fish, but there's a lot of bad anglers that feed Mm. correctly and catch more fish. They're not necessarily a better angler than other anglers, but because they feed right, they catch more fish.
0: It's just about trying to combine the two, isn't it?
2: Feeding is the most important thing, but... Get them both right Mm. or get everything right and you'll catch more. And decisions, decisions are so important that make the wrong decision and forget it, you're (laughs) you're too far behind.
0: I think, you know, obviously I'll ask a lot of questions to a lot of top anglers throughout this both series of these podcasts. Yeah. Obviously, the, the theme is quite similar. You know, we are, you get, all you top guys say similar things. And one of one the one that sticks in my mind, I've heard it twice now, one from a fellow Matrix angler in, in the form of Lee Wright, yeah. and yeah. also young Alex on the last one mentioned it. And he said, what you've got to do is don't try and copy people because you'll never beat them doing their own thing. Yeah. So what you've got to do is try and get an idea, an understanding of what they're doing and then put your own spin on it yeah so that's yeah, the definitely. one that always stands out for me but i think yeah. yeah the feeding piece is such a big part isn't it of match fishing some oh. real
2: feeding and and decisions because you can make the wrong decision
0: it doesn't mean that you're
2: a crab angler no you just made the wrong decision um what would you call it uh, not natural ability but like a, a sixth sense that when i'm fishing and i speak to Mate Tony, what and i travel with travel with um through the winter, through Sundays fishing on the Fens. Um I'll be chatting with him and it i I I'll give you an instance. We we fished on uh I call it Rat Bank, but it's factory bank. It's in Ramsey. Mm. It's a little narrow drain. It's between I would say eight and eleven metres wide, big straight channel mm. and it's full of roach and you'll catch between six and twenty pound of roach. Some days it's squat, some days it's pinky. Mm-hmm. We had a winter league match, and then I come in with Tony, and I was chatting with Tony when I picked him, I said, I said, it was all squat. He said, yeah. He goes, I started fishing pinky, Polly. I knew it was squat. I changed to squat. He knew. I knew. Bob, Bob Nudd, he's come and he's sat down. We'd spoken at the practice before. It was all pinky, yeah. but it was squat. So Bob said, well, I don't, I'll fish pinky, and... I just didn't catch as many fish. And I said, I said, it's squat, Bob. It was squat. He went, but you said it was pinky. I said, well, it was last week. I said, but it's changed. It's right. And then, and then next time it changed back to pinky. Mm. And then Bob fish squat. <laughs> and, and It was brilliant. Exactly. And he went, Oh God. Cause Bob's getting a little bit older now, but he just, it's, you've got to be so on the ball. And Bob, what, what an angler. Four times world champion, unbelievable. And, you know, I admire Bob so much, but even Bob, how good he is and what he knows, yeah. just getting a little bit more complacent about, oh, it's just pinky. Yeah. I'll make do with that. Or, you can't. You've got to change so quick. And it's knowing to make that decision where a lot of angels just plod along. They're catching and they're quite happy. Yeah. But you've got to, you've really got to push yourself now because there's so many youngsters coming up behind you. This is it. Yeah, yeah, but it's like a sixth sense to know to change. It's but you can't teach someone that. That's only through experience of matches that they fished to make them do that.
1: Yeah,
2: you know, I could be catching fish. Why suddenly then go on your chopworm worm line? Because I just thought it was right to do, and then go back on your back on your pinky or squat line or caster line or whatever or hemp line. But it's just knowing and and keep feed when you're on another line. Keep feeding the other lines.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
2: And I, I always mean,
0: think one of the things I always struggle with is like re- regulation. So this this swim management piece that you're talking about, it might be that I'm catching consistently on, let's say, pinky overground bit, like you say, great example. But you yeah. know, it needs a little bit of a rest. You've lost yeah. a skimmer, maybe, and and it might just go a bit iffy. So you're going to go <clears throat> and try another line, like you say, yeah. a chopworm line or yeah. whatever. Now I know this is how, this, I I know this, so I don't know why I don't act on it. I know that I've now stopped feeding as much as I was previously over that ground bait line because yeah. I'm concentrating so much on this chop worm line or whatever. I'm throwing the odd pinky in, but actually yeah. before I was throwing twelve in at a time. Why have I stopped doing that? And it's yeah. I know I'm doing it. I'm conscious of it, but I just yeah. I don't know. So yeah, yeah, I'm not as natural for sure. Yeah.
2: I mean yesterday I've, I've done a feature angling times but, at March, and they wanted it just fishing a whip, catching yes. fish on a whip, how you'd feed and that. But, the swim I fished, I went and sat on the concrete near the town centre bridge, and then two lads, they got an army match, they fished there today, come down to practice, and they couldn't fish the max length that it was on. Hmm. And they said, all right, if we sit here, I said, yeah, just set up, it's all free fishing, yeah, no problem, so they sat down, and I fished away, and I fished three and a half hours and caught 20 odd pounds, skimmers, roach, and what have you. Lovely. But, if I'd fished it as I would have fished it, it was a match, I think I'd have had 40 pounds. I'd have doubled my weight because I was flicking a, a four and a half meter whipping with a three quarter gram rig, mm. feeding pinkies. If I didn't get a fish as it went in and weighted up, it, I probably didn't get one. So i take it on the drop. Yeah. So what you wanted was to lay a nice light rigging and then what you could do you could lift it and drop it make them take it but because i'm fishing the whip, i can't do
0: that like it out. no you'd have been back on the long pole yeah. yeah 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 and
2: these two army i, I spoke to them i just said something and they they were catching but they didn't catch a lot but i could see they just needed just i could just like just give them half a day's coating and they'd be catching <laughs> it's just yeah. it's amazing though but they're good anglers yeah they got yeah. all the gear and they know but they're just not feeding right and just i give one of them a bag of ground bait as as I went. I said, yeah, I'll give that a go. So, oh, it goes, I'll just run out of that Mike, I'll be using that. I could see the him the, just pulled punch crumb underneath his thing that he'd started on. He said, oh, I'll run out of that because not all the shops stock it. But I said, yeah, I said, well, we'll give that a go. I said, mix it with a bit of ground crumb. I said, that'll help you out. But he's like too short a line and he wants not feed. And I just, but I didn't want to interfere. Obviously, they were no, just I having, having a workout. But it's just they've seen me catch that amount of fish oh christ that was right you know the whip but but it will not that that wasn't, wasn't how i'd fish it yeah. but i knew through my experience fishing what i needed to do but i was catching enough for the feature because it was on whip fishing mm. but it he's, wasn't the right they're vendor. probably
0: see, yeah they're seeing that and thinking crikey if i got half of that on the big match you know we're yeah, in it yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well it's it's yeah, yeah. a really good point the um the coaching piece. What's the... I asked Alex a similar question in the last one. What are the most common mistakes that you see?
2: Um, well, feeding. Right, let, let's get into it. If I'm on a commercial, and this is nearly every one I take out, so you've got a little pot on your pole. Yeah. And really, it's the pot on your, your end of your pole is like when you're feeder fishing, is your feeder. Mm-hmm. So, and it's... You can limit... That's why you've got small pots and big pots. How much feed you put in? You can put a big pot on and put small amounts in or big amounts in. But whoever put, whatever size pole pot, the angler puts it, they want to fill it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, like they do, they want to fill it. But once, so I, I sit, when I'm coaching, I sit behind them and I put my brain into their head, tell them when to feed, to do this, do it. And it's, it's the best way. It's, they can watch mm-hmm. me, they do watch me a little bit but it's no good, you, you've got to do it yourself, because practice makes perfect, so mm-hmm. I sit behind and I say, okay, right, I've been telling them to feed yeah, do this, I said, right, well, I'm just going to watch for 20 minutes now and then we'll chat after 20 minutes okay. so they're, they're catching fish, a little pot, they're shipping across to the far side of the reeds or whatever, so I watch them they catch a fish, yeah, put some feed in the pot go across, yeah, lift the rig, drop it yeah, got a fish, come back shooting back out again, they put no feed in the pot. And I wasn't that yeah and, and it starts to go. The swim starts to go. So Oh it's got a bit iffy. I said, yeah, give it another another five minutes, we'll have a chat. So what what, what do you think went wrong? Uh, some big fish moved in. I said No, I said you didn't feed. Yeah, yeah no I did. I said No, I said you caught two fish and fed and then you missed a bite, you come back, put an expander pellet on your hook, you didn't put any feed in the pot. And then you missed another bite, you didn't put any feed in the pot, and now you've sat there the next six, seven minutes. Oh, 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 oh. right, so start yeah. again. And then by the afternoon, they've got it then, that, that. But it's because they they don't, they think they're doing it, but they're not. Mm. Yeah, but I just fed. No, you didn't. That was two fish ago the last time you fed. <laughs> oh, oh. So, because when you feed with the pot, you're not feeding for that fish you catch. You're probably feeding for the next fish.
0: Yeah. yeah, and, and you can, it's just you that can, setting that trap as well, isn't it? Assuming, I mean, yeah. one £4 carp will eat the whole lot in one go, so...
2: Oh, Christ, yeah. The, mo- the most technical... Like, if I take some angles out that are more experienced, I try and do the double feed. So, I mean, I'm saying this to your listeners now. Maybe they don't know it. I think some of them won't do. But if you've got a pole pot and you've got dampened micros, so mm. what I'll do is you've got the lid off, no lid. So you put some in... And you press them so they're compacting it, and then you put some in. And you just lightly tap them. Go out, turn it, tap it. They drop out, but the ones that have you've really pressed are still stuck in your pole pot. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So keep the pole pot turned with the top facing the water, if they'd fall out. And then you get the bite. You strike the fish, then. Tap mm-hmm. it if you want with your hand, tap the, the butt section that you've got and they'll drop out or just dip it in the water and they'll drop out. So you've done a double feed, you've fed again. Yeah. So you've got, got it. get that fishing. So you've, you've done a double feed. So you'll, you'll, you've you've primed your peg already a bit quicker because mm. it's all about time and motion, trying to get the most out of your peg as quick as you can.
0: Um, and then same get, again after the fish, the the, the the lightly sprinkled ones over the top. Yeah, hit the next fish, tap the pole, then tap, the... Yeah. So you've, like, double tap. The thick, rock whereas
2: you would have fed, dropped your it got to come back, they've gone down, but you, this way you've got some more falling down, so you get that fishing quick go out and you get a bite quicker. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. In no, absolutely. theory, you should, yeah, get one quicker. And it's like I'm, well, I'm it. left-handed with the pole. So whip fishing, to, if I'm on the whip... I'll be, and and if someone, but I'm right-handed, but I hold the pole in the left hand, I hold the whip in the left hand, I can feed perfectly with my right arm, because I'm right-handed. But I fish. Well,
0: (laughs) (laughs) you you know what the most commonly asked question is, don't you? Yeah, yeah, go on. (laughs) It's about about the old poly switch, isn't it? Yeah, the So yeah. uh, Well, I'm I'm not quite as cack-handed as you i'm a bit weird the way i fish i'm right-handed but i have my bait tray to my right as well and i think that's because i am so right-handed so if you imagine the the way that i if i'm if i'm feeding by hand with the pole i can't even explain actually certainly not on a on a podcast this is a visual thing but i'll hold the butt of the pole it's got the the pole's going across my my right leg obviously and my left hand will be holding the butt of the pole whilst i feed with my right hand because the trays to the right and then i quickly switch back that's that's (laughs) all right it's really odd so yeah i'm candid so i sort of get where this is coming from but when i do see you doing this poly flip on the waggler it is truly bizarre (laughs) so tell the listeners how that came about
2: (laughs) well the only thing I can put it down to was, as I've spoke just earlier about, obviously when we first started fishing, me and my brother used to go eating ford on the river, we had a rod with a line tied on the end. We had no reel.
0: Oh, this was so for them bleak, the right? Yeah, yeah.
2: bleak. Or we caught an odd roach all days, but we didn't catch, never caught more than three or four roach. But as soon as we got a reel, we could cast and... It was great. I remember, my dad put my arms round me. That's it. He'd pull it. So he's put his arms round me, but it must have been that the rod is on my uh, left side, and so yeah. then i have wound. So it's on that side. So he, he must have got me cack-handed, and I must have thought, that's the right way. That's the way you I'm do it, yeah just perfected it i think ian heaps is cack-handed as well he fishes cack-handed so i've tried because i'm fishing full-time i've tried go back a good few years ago going out and just fishing right-handed and it's just wrong it's it's it just don't feel natural so
0: (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't matter does it because it's effective for you but but for those listeners that don't know what we're talking about i mean that I'm sure most of them do because I had at least three or four questions to ask you about that. But there's a video that he did with, I think it was with Matrix actually, and he was fishing a waggler on the use. I think it was at God Manchester Way, and right. um, that demonstrates it really well. So if somebody goes onto the mate, if you've not seen it, go on to Matrix yes. YouTube and find Mark fishing a waggle, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's unique. Let's put it that way. It's I really think I've interesting. I've done
2: one with Johnny Arthur for Matrix at uh, Rookery Waters on Rook Lake catching roach. They've oh, got there you go. 40 or yep. 50 pounds of roach and, and rad, and um, he's called it on there. I, I think I said, here we go, the poly swap. And <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if they, if they log on, if they go on to YouTube and put in Mark Pollard on a, a waggler like
0: i can have a laugh <laughs> <laughs> well let's 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 build on this this matrix thing because so let's talk about tackle um so as you've said you were making a name for yourself fishing with the um fishing with the black horse team and you yeah, yeah. joined up with this uh this this sort of partner of yours and the rest of the guys at mark bird that we mentioned before now yeah. i yeah. i always throw in my own anecdotes at this point because because I'm, you know, middle-aged, as it were now. And my match fishing was the 90s. So yeah. I think back to the 90s, all my information was from a magazine. You remember it, Mark. It was called Angling Plus. Do you remember that?
2: Yes, yeah, Angling Plus. So it was part of Angling Times. There was, like, was two or three. They had a sea fishing one and...
0: Yeah. They um, did, yeah. And they had sea fishing plus, that's right. And 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 that all my you know, I absorbed everything from that, and as you rightly say, David Hall's pole fishing at the time and and all sorts of stuff as a kid. And and for me, one of the standout brands at the time was a brand called Image. And that is a brand yeah. that you created with Mark yeah. Bird, and and I yeah. still remember, and, and I know that you, we you recreated, I think, some of the products like the punch board and stuff more recently. But there was one yeah. standout, well, two standout products that blew my mind as a kid. So I drew, I grew up fishing Northwest canals, and yeah. Yeah. Well, as you rightly say, not many of us had, had decent poles, and it was all about waggler fishing. And there was a fantastic canal whip style waggler that bolts up which was fantastic. Yeah. But the main one, Ghost Hooks. Image oh, Ghost right, Hooks. Yeah, right, and these, yeah. these were products I remember. So tell me about Image. How did it come about?
2: Right, so obviously we started um, as the group, the Black Horse Group. And because I'd been with Luton Angling Club, um, my main uh, full-time fishing was canals. And it's we started fishing open and of course I started winning opens on mm-hmm. the canals. And making me name so, me, for myself as a canal angler. Mm. And obviously, as a squad, we were winning um, team matches on canals, and we went up to the Aylesbury Arm, and it's tench That's and the car, Grand Union. And the fish. Uh, no, it, it's, it, it, it's an arm, because it's called the Aylesbury Arm, and it goes into the Grand Union Canal. Right. So it comes off the Grand Union. And it's just an arm that goes to a dead end into Aylesbury. Um oh, interesting, okay. Cool. Called yeah, called the Aylesbury Arm. And we went there and fished this uh Aylesbury Arm teams of six canal championship and absolutely yeah. annihilated it, fishing wagglers and squat. And it's only a little narrow thing or pole and squat, um and like we virtually nearly won every set. We absolutely annihilated it, and they just couldn't yeah. and the weights like two pounder ropes were a phenomenal weight. And we were catching like six to eight pound. And we wow. just went everywhere and caught loads of roach. And then I've, someone said, we want to go down to the London, canal. you can win loads of money down there, Polly, it'd be unbelievable, right up your street. And I went down to um, Rickmansworth and Denham on the canal. I remember fishing at Rickmansworth because so I just started driving then. So I thought I'd go down for some of the opens. I went to Rickmansworth, it was like 110 or 120 anglers sold out. And I drew I think about peg six and they said, Yeah, no, you wanna be low be wanna be below the lot and I was fishing around there's a guy called Mick Burrell, who was a brilliant angler. Um absolutely brilliant angler, one opens everywhere. Brilliant punch angler, brilliant on the feeder, waggler, and I knew he was such a good angler and he fished with A B C then. And uh, I weighed in three fifteen twelve the bloke said, Well oh, you might win the match. there's only one bloke that beat Mickey Burrell. he's had a carp, he's below the below the lock where he wanted to draw. Right. And obviously Mickey Burrell had heard me that I was I was the top weight above the lock, what I'd caught, and I remember he said to me, he said, what uh, what you weighed, young And he, I went I went, uh, three fifteen twelve and he sort of muttered a swear word like that. Well he had <laughs> he had three fifteen, but he had three fifteen four. Oh, God, them and, drums, uh, yeah. Think, yeah, and I think I, I thought, oh, I won the match. I only win about two or 300 quid. And I think I won about 700 pounds. It was ridiculous. Wow. They'd done a big yeah. winner-take-all, and then it dropped like, to a couple of hundred quid, like second place. And then the next week, they got one at Denham, and I went there, and Steve Garner came come past me. He said, you caught a few, didn't you? And I said, yeah, and I had 18 pounds of chub on the Waggler and won that one. Brilliant. And it was oh, and it just... And it just, it just got better. It was just wherever I went on the canal and I just, I could catch better fish, but I could catch the small fish as well. Mm. But it was a squat. I'd, I'd go, you'd fish squat at Denham on the canal and Rickmansworth where people just didn't fish it like we fished it, feeding. I used to get through like two and three point of squat.
0: Heavy and
2: feeding, catch yeah. Yeah, and just catch everything. You know, little roach, big roach, skimmers. And just sort of perfected it. Just made it my own way of fishing like the team fished it but obviously i always done better and just made the, you know i made the name for myself and then Mm. because i was making such a name for myself and the team was doing well mark bird and rob Pearson got approached by a businessman who had image autographics to set a company up image angling products making floats right and although i fished with mark and rob Pearson. I remember going to a match and just saying, oh, bloke, uh, this bloke approached me from Northampton and he wanted to make floats with my name on and give me mm-hmm. 20% of the sales. And I said to my oh, bloke's doing... Oh, you haven't said anything yet, have you, Polly? I went, no, no, we might have a business, business proposition. Because I didn't know in the background they were starting up this company but hadn't said anything to me. And they said okay. they'd make me an equal partner if I come involved, if I didn't get this bloke to make the floats. And that's... Yeah, then I went with them and that's where it... That journey started. So... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, for me, uh, as I say, as a kid, it was, it was you know, it was an iconic brand. I know then it changed the future, didn't it, for a little while. I seem to remember that. Yeah, well, the, image, um, the,
2: the trouble was, day, we, we were young and we was led wrong by the guys that stepped in to help us out, uh, wrongly or rightly, and then we folded the company and then hmm. the future that started up brought the uh, name and the stock and that from the liquidator because we went into liquid, voluntary liquidation and then it was future image, and mm. then it sort of changed. But we, if we'd had someone stepped in, um, and took us on board from where ideas and what we had, I mean, who knows where we'd be now?
0: Well, the thing is, I guess you you were anglers and not businessmen, right? So yes, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you sort of your faith is with with other people. But I mean, not all is lost, of course, because then you're instrumental behind the the Fox brand launching yeah. their match range.
2: Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. Into the in, in the noughties, if you like, and and you mentioned Bob before. Bob came over for a while, helped out, and yeah, and, and that's different right, that's as right, well. Yeah. So, I mean, the Matrix piece, which is obviously the newer version, if you like, of of box match, has been a massive success, has it not? I mean, there's a huge oh. following um yeah. with, with matrix now and it, what, yeah. what's that behind i mean i know ricky teal was there for a while and, it, and you know well, that's that's his his game isn't it growing brands but yeah. how has it yeah. got so big yeah. so quick um
2: i just think all the right pe- people are in place um when um like jumping a few years ahead um i then got got involved as a fox match brand manager uh yeah. And then I got approached to go fish. I've been there 10 or 11 years. I got approached because I was sponsored by Dynamite as well, or a paid consultant for them. I got um, approached to go fishing full-time under the the banner of Shimano Dynamite Baits Mm -hmm. because they got into bed together, got involved together. And I thought, well, it'd be silly not to. Um, They had like a holding where Shimano were in parlor and they got Dynamite Baits and they set up a big catalogue and took on anglers and I think Aaron Scotton was there, I was there, Rob Wotton, Um mm. And they were just trying to, uh, in fact, for the first year, Steve uh, Ringer was there as well. And I thought, how's this going to work? But anyway, cut on short, I think that lasted for about five years, it May have been six mm. years. And it was, well, it was just run wrong. It was just, You know, I had some brilliant ideas and that, but nothing really happened.
1: Yeah. And
2: then uh, I remember speaking to Sean uh, McSpadden at at Fox where they'd just started up Matrix. And then Ricky Till was leaving the company. Um, Would I get involved a bit more? I said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And then I just uh, um, joined them as a pay consultant. But then they just Mm. got all the right people in place. Um, And like now with companies, if you haven't got your own media team, you can forget it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because everything works. You've got... I feel with Matrix now, they've got... Well, the whole company is Fox. Everybody in place. That's why they... The the people that have been there have been there for a good few years. You know, if it's not people leave, if they're not happy, they leave. Mm. And I can't remember anyone really leaving Fox as a company and now Matrix. It's just... Such a brand. And to be fair, you would have thought that COVID have held us back because the only meetings we've had have been Zoom meetings or uh, group yeah, chats. and yeah. um, But they have just got such, so much stuff still to come out that I can't talk about now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the overarching owners, of course, now it's all Preston's in there as well. And, you know, Sonia Bates and every, everything's all in yeah. in, in, in yeah, water. Yeah. But I, I, I imagine... Um, they will stay separate because of the loyalty to Preston's got its fanboys oh, as as, yeah. as Matrix. You've you've got
2: to keep it separate. because um, yeah. a lot of people don't know a lot of the public don't know that obviously the um the parent company that owns mm. Fox, Matrix, uh Sonya Bates, Preston Innovations, um is uh is all one but it's just run separately separately it's, yeah you know, yeah it's, yeah it's just a um a private group of people that own all those companies but they just run separately which is, yeah. is, is the totally. best
0: one it makes sense because they have completely separate identities and, and like you yeah. say, the separate yeah. media teams and doing their own things it's been a it's really i mean obviously i, I keep a keen eye on, on on the whole sort of tackle industry if you like i find it really interesting but um yeah no 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 great and and Long may it continue. Um, I I guess you're not thinking of jumping ship from Matrix, right? You're happy doing what you're
2: doing. No, no. No, I'm just just at the right place now because the Matrix, um, brilliant um, company, you know, great bunch of, say, work colleagues. I call them friends. Um, It's just brilliant. It's just, you know, I pinch myself sometimes. Um, I feel I've got the the best uh, fishing equipment available and new stuff coming on board. Uh, they look after me very well. Hinders uh, with the ground bait range that I've done with them, um, mm-hmm. that's just brilliant, and that, that just goes from strength to strength. And obviously being sponsored oh. by Stanjay Sports for bait as well, I just I can't go wrong. I've got my own float range, um, that just a bespoke range of pole floats and some wagglers that I deal with about sixty, seventy shops. Um, no, it's great. It's just always what i wanted to do and still like i, I say so i pinched myself i think it's great i'm still enjoying <laughs> it
0: <laughs> absolutely you know the hindus stuff as well funnily enough i ordered some the other week because m- yeah, my winter yeah, campaign yeah. is gonna well it's gonna start on the 28th of of november really um not necessarily yeah. using those baits. but what, what i bought though i bought some of their chinese hemp so i've not cooked yeah, hemp oh. for years <laughs> the, right, the well, wife doesn't have <laughs>
2: well let me tell you now Dave, their him i put um, I put a blog up on Facebook probably three or four weeks ago. Um, people are struggling to get decent hemp. And any of the listeners listening, you can buy direct from Hindus and you can yeah, buy I've from your that. local tackle shop, and it's at the same price. Um, I think they have a, they've got a deal on at the moment, and it's twenty percent off or something while you're ordering in November. But hemp I, I got
0: free postage online, so there are definitely offers on, yeah. Right,
2: yeah. The hemp, you've only got to cook it normally. Bring it up to the boil and simmer mm-hmm. it. 45, 50 minutes maximum when it's cooked. You ain't got to soak it for three days in a bucket and it don't split and all that rubbish. It's the best hemp. There's some slightly bigger grains in there that you can pick up for the hook, but it's brilliant to feed. My mate only got... Two, I think you got six kilos of hemp from Amazon and it was called Giant Hemp. It was the Mm. size of a pinhead. It was a complete waste of time. Absolute hopeless. So if any listeners, they want hemp, contact Hinders. They got the best hemp available.
1: And any guy,
2: you know, the shops can uh, buy from Hinders. I think they're into three or four hundred shops. But it's, yeah, it's just a bespoke range um That I've got with them, but they've got a massive range of barbel, carp, all sorts, all sorts. Family-run and all
0: natural ingredients. Well, I got the Chinese hemp. I bought a bag of tears yep. as well, and I also yep, bought yep. two bags of yep. your punch crumb because I intend to use that. And my yep. my winter kicks off on the Trent. Not necessarily going to fish punch on there because it's going to be big fish, but <laughs> once that's over, I'm then onto a little drain over by the east coast. I'm hoping by yeah. that time starts, mid-December. They're dropping the level now. Um, we're thinking the fish are going to start coming into town soon. So that's when your punch crumb will come in, handy. I'm looking forward to using it. I'll drop you a message of how to mix it properly nearer the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm actually fishing punch tomorrow. I'm doing some filming with the Matrix on the Northampton Canal.
0: We're just filming mm-hmm. some
2: uh Christmas uh stocking fillers and a bit of the new clothing, but we can do a little bit on punch fishing. Um but I've not I actually knocked it up this afternoon, but I just love in the punch drum the aniseed. It just as a as a kid, the only thing yeah. we ever had flavings for ground bait was aniseed yeah. and vanilla we used to have. And we yeah. used to use aniseed for roach, we used to put a bit on air maggots, we used to bite in a bottle. But um oh yeah, it it works. It's and it's great to see people actually using it and I'll oh, get a great ticket out of it. It's, it's brilliant. No, good. It's easy Absolutely. to mix. It's not too fine. It's got coarse. It's it's sort of a mixture of coarse and fine. Add a little bit of water, whisk it round, leave it to stand, loosen it up, run it for a riddle, job
0: done. Mhm. No, good, I'm looking forward to it. I, I like punch no. fishing. I've not done enough of it for, <laughs> for many a year, for sure. But, um, no, good. Okay, well, uh, we've covered the tackle bit there really well. That's that's really interesting. Because, like I say, yeah. image for me as a kid, it was a real sort of, uh, some of those products still in my mind to, to this day, you know, I remember the little punch box and all the rest of it. So, no, fantastic. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit. I one of the questions from the listeners, if you don't mind, Mark. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, no problem.
0: Wh- why didn't you get more England caps?
2: Right, I think... I've-
0: trying to think now i think i fished
2: three or four home internationals yes the last home international i fished was at was up in scotland was up in scotland it was up in scotland and the last day i won the whole bank i might have been second in the match i had something like three or four kilo of perch and the method was Fishing close in that, but I was loose feeding chocolate and the catapult and fishing worm on a waggler catching perch because such is like But I was told that wasn't the method that we should be fishing. But I absolutely annihilated the bank I was on, and but whether that was it, I don't know. I fished my own way. Um, hmm. I don't know, um, but um, no. But no. I, to be fair, when I fished for England the first time, which was down at Cardiff Docks. It was me and Derek Young, six, had got an mm-hmm. invite down and I was just appalled really the way it was was sort of run. Like you know, I thought it was a be and be all and end all just to fish for England, to get the last fish of your country. Um
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
2: yeah. we got down there me and Derek Young and I didn't feel it was organised properly and Mark Downs had also they they we one short, so Mark had his, uh, Mark had his lad, Lee Addy, he'd come down and say, yeah. so we fished, I remember saying to Derek, I said, there's so many anglers out there, we'd love to get the chance to fish for England, and Lee mm. Addy, his son's going to fish, because we're one short, it's terrible,
1: mm.
2: absolutely terrible, but, um, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't what I expected, what it was going to be like, um, right, okay, so it didn't, I, well, and I, I, well, I never got from, I never got an invite um, then to fish for England, whether I was too small, um, not strong enough to hold a pole in the wind, or I don't know. But.
0: So you think it was because <laughs> you went against the team orders?
2: Yeah, maybe because I fished my way that day that didn't, those that picked the team didn't like, I don't know, I don't know. But um, but to be fair, I mean, people, that, that me, I get such enjoyment out just winning matches. Yeah, just kind of winning so, matches
0: and just yeah well obviously there's different you know there's there's vets and things like that now have you any designs to to, to, to go get into any of those teams
2: no no no, no it wouldn't, wouldn't interest
0: me at all I don't think
2: and I was speaking to Bob about it the other day but the thing is it, it, it costs you money to go and fish and I, yeah. oh, I just no it would just be too much hassle I think I just I'm quite happy I've made my name um, mm-hmm. I didn't have to be a, a full time um angler in the england set up to to be where I am now, so no yeah so i don't to be yeah, there, fair enough. um you've got now the feeder team that started up mm-hmm. gets more recognition than than the actual float team
0: yeah we've we've had that conversation quite a and uh, quite a yeah. few of these um few of these podcasts because it's been It's it's like it was a stick or twist type thing as to where you know some anglers which route do they go down? Can you do the two? Can you? Is it so specialized? So yeah, there's a lot of international chat throughout this these this series, and yeah, it's true because it's been such a big part of the sport now. Um, Well, actually, the main debate, funnily enough, is. Which we've had throughout all the podcasts, pretty much, is the big match qualifiers and the big matches like your Fishermania versus fishing for your country. That's been the big debate, and it's whether you can do the two if you like. Yeah,
2: I mean, I would, I would look at it that. So I've been going to Ireland now for about eight, nine years running, apart from obviously the COVID year, going back last year. Um, yeah, and I've I've won so much out there, and if someone said to me. Right, like, Mark, you're going to fish for England. You're going to fish for a country. Uh, it's so-and-so in Yugoslavia. And it's uh, middle of September. Oh, no, I'll be in Ireland.
0: I've never been. and and oh. the Ireland thing. Never been. Need to go. I, think, I mean, this year, I've, um, I've
2: done five weeks again this year. Um, five festivals. No, I didn't frame all five. Sorry, the... Um, the earned one hundred there's only thirty six anglers. So I think I was halfway. Just it was on the river and that. I just just didn't draw right to really do to do anything, to put anything out of the hat, sort of thing. But the other four I framed in all four. The year before, five festivals framed in all five. Um I fished the Coot Hill for six years or was six years running, Won it four times two fourths. Do so well, out I and mean, it can't be. Okay, I can't be, you know, the pegs you're drawing all the time. Not that to be that consistent. No. Yeah, no, no. I know
1: that. Right I mean, of I'm
2: not You know, if I drew a good pass, of oh, to anyone would have caught them there. Um, no, so yeah, it's, right of your know, straight, nice. brilliant. Oh, it's awesome, awesome. And you One day, Mark. One well, day which is
0: nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, <laughs> for, the, for the old thing, Guinness. Though,
0: yeah, oh, well, there, I know, yeah. I know. One day, got got to get out there. Absolutely, it's it's on. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. What do you call it? A, a bucket list. I think you call it nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. It's what I'd yeah. like to do. It's awesome. I like the sound of it. Now, one yeah. final thing here. Um, with, I mean, we've actually touched a little bit on your future already because you said, you know, you just want yeah. to continue doing what you're doing and you're happy and, yeah. and everything's cool. Yeah. But there is just one thing note I've got here is we've mentioned a little bit about image the Black Horse team and all, all about team fishing. Are you in? I, I think you was with Van der Essex for a while, was you not? Um yeah, yeah. We, there...
2: we was Essex and when we disbanded, when we, we folded um yeah. Pete Clapperton that that paid us each match we fished and and I think to be fair that was keeping because the yeah. angles were so far apart that and and like travel was costing a lot of money. As soon as Pete mm. sort of started dropping the money saying so he wasn't gonna pay the anglers now, although you still got bait and some had to pay for bait, it just It lost its um, buzz, I suppose, that was I mean, we won the the Angle Times Team Championship up on the um, knee at Peterborough, three years running. And that was fantastic. That was just awesome to do that. It was just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the team disbanded, when we we folded, team fishing, you had to be in a team to fish matches of a weekend, but you didn't have to be in a team anymore there was enough individual matches started up, Fishermania started yes.
1: up, Got lots it. have
2: started up, so you don't have to be in a team. You can have a match, yeah. every, you can have a match every day of the week and not be in a team now on commercials. Yeah, yeah of
0: course, absolutely. So I
2: think that's what, what that was the demise of team fishing and because we were such a high-profile team and team fishing just wasn't at the forefront then, it the lads were all over the country, we sort of just disbanded, it was just... Well, came, we'd won everything and, well, let's, no, let's just call it a day. Um, when I went fishing full-time mm-hmm. as professional angler, I spoke with Stan J Sports and God Manchester, Stan and Fizz that I know very well. I said, I'm going fishing full-time. Would you like to sponsor my bait? Would you? Yeah, they will. So they sponsored me bait. I put my website on the coaching days that are sponsored by Stan J Sports. Mm-hmm. Um I had it printed on me clothing. And they said, yeah, will you fish for us in the winter league, in our team? I said, yeah, okay. And that was, oh, I fished for them probably for about nine years now, maybe 10 years. And the last three or four years, I've always fished with Tony, and Tony's fished with them. Tony Watlin, I travel with, Tony Watlin Jr., and he was with Essex. So there's two of us. Mm -hmm. Bob Nudd fishes with Stan Jays. There's three of us. Andy Mead, he used to be with Essex. He fishes with Stan Jays. So there's four of us. Martin Collicutt who fished with uh sorry, fished A B C which is another good London team. He's with, so we've got a good squad, but it's
1: yeah.
2: it's um it's a laid back sort of attitude. Although we're yeah. all competitive if we want to win. We're not there practising on the Saturday or the Wednesday before having a line up and you know, we just fish the, the practice open and the team's picked by Stan, uh Stan Binge who owns um Stan J Tackle. I mean, it is love for the sport, Stan. He must be 76, I think he is now. And he just yeah. loves the team doing well. And it's great. It's brilliant to see. It's,
0: well, that's uh, good. He's no, so no, still, still yeah.
2: in
0: it, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I didn't realise. Is that the? Are you on the East Midlands uh, Winter League? There, that's
2: it, the East Midlands. We're, we're yeah. third at the moment. I mean, not last year, because it folded the year before. It was the year before that we got through. We missed winning the Anglons Winter League by five points i think it was or six points we come second wow so, there you go yeah so yeah it's brilliant where it's on the drains and the decoy yeah. which was great and you yeah, you get still a bus from it I get a bus from that yes yeah it's great. Nah, that's
0: good that's good yeah. Cause that was one of my that was one of my questions about team fishing away from the from the listener questions it was around because i knew the ethics stuff i knew the the, the, yeah. the you know the older teams i didn't realize that you were so active at, at, um during the winters, so no, that's brilliant fantastic oh, well i guess yeah. our our time is is coming to an end but um the yeah. final thoughts are to you really it's because you give us a great overview loads of stuff there really fascinating yeah. stuff but what what is the future for you now what are your plans apart from just enjoying yourself is it he involved now with more tackle development with matrix or um just yeah. just growing your coaching what's the what's the score
2: well i think with, with fishing unlike another sport I mean, obviously, if I was a footballer, I could be at the top level of football at the age yeah. I'm at now. But with fishing, it, it, there's there's no age to it. So as long as I'm healthy and carry on doing what I'm doing and, and uh, Matrix want me there and Hinder's want me there, I'll always be there because I'm doing what I'm doing. I am In my mind, I am retired, but I'm retired working, doing what I love. Yeah. Um. And I just carry on doing that and you know, I, I have a lot of time that I with the family, they've grown up now, but spend a lot of time with trades and my wife and that, holidays and what have you. But still every Saturday and Sunday there I am fishing and, and enjoying it. Um try and stay healthy. Um but it's no, it's great. It's it's a brilliant hobby. Um full-time work if you could just a brilliant thing to be part of it really is like i still i pinch myself sometimes sometimes i do think am i really
0: doing what i like <laughs> yeah yeah no no absolutely that's it yeah it's uh, sort what of they say isn't it you know find something you love you'll never work a day in your life and you you literally live in that live in that dream it's nice no, great and the dream, as I say, Yeah, that's yes, right Fan- fantastic yeah. ambassador for the sport as well and and one of the things i Thank said you. um i think to to you're welcome to Alex. I think it was so about the last podcast was that what always fast we had a little chat after we'd finished our recording, if you like. And I was explaining yeah. that you would be the next guest coming on and whatnot. And I said one of the things, because he's a young boy, well they've in relative terms, he's twenty seven. And fishing, yeah. that's nothing. So what I was trying to say was what I like about these top names on these podcasts is that a lot of the the main the main ones like yourself, Tommy Pickering, you know, these these guys still relevant darren cox he's a bit younger you, yeah. you know but it's the, the top of the game all these years and still relevant and that's the word i think as long as you're relevant yeah. you're saying the right things you, you're innovating yourselves then yeah. you know you'll always be there as long as you want to be like bob like you said before you know 70 odd yeah. still relevant course, yeah Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Awesome. So, on that final (laughs) note, a massive, massive thank you for taking your time out to chatting to us on the podcast. And uh, I wish you well. Thank you very much. hello and welcome to the final press pack of 2021 now for the unfamiliar amongst ourselves this is where i review anything interesting that's caught my eye in the weekly and printed press across improving course fishing and match fishing magazine and also for the very final episode a new um, edition to the press pack. Uh, it remains to be seen whether it will be a regular contributor next year, but I'll reveal all very shortly. But let's start with um, Angling Times, this week's Angling Times. And actually, let's kick off with big catches. Um, throughout the podcast series, I've made reference to a number of, of catches that have caught the eye. Um, I always remember a young boy that had caught some stonking fish from the uh, the river, I think it was the Severn at the time, across the road from where he lived. Um, some incredible pineapples Alexander, but we're back to the good old barbel, and straight in page four of angling Times, a record shaking barbel banked from the Thames, and this just stands out like a sore thumb because just a simple what sheer weight of this barbel at twenty pounds twelve ounce uh, landed by Farnham, Surrey Angler Mike Perrin. It's the biggest reported so far this season, and just six ounces shy of the British record. Um, as it says, you know, River Trent may be the most consistent in terms of double-figure fish, but the Thames is the best bet for anglers looking to etch their names into history. As there have been several different barbel over twenty pound uh, from the waterway in recent years, uh, he caught that on a snowman rig featuring an eighteen mil dumbbell and a twelve mil pop-up, um, and just a fantastic catch, very very close. And yeah, I can see some of the uh, the fish that have come out of the Thames. There's a 20 pound, two ounce, 18.8, 18.7, just real big fish, um, for barbel. And another one, uh, on the same page. Pretty interesting. I'm not a carp angler whatsoever, as demonstrated by, uh, by these podcasts, but, you know, very much sort of match fishing being my game. But, um, you've got to admire carp anglers and, uh, on the continent, especially. Hungary is making a real name for itself. And I know uh, that there's some, a lot of venues around that part of the world um, that contain lots of big carp. But this one, a pair of British anglers have managed one of the most staggering catches on record, landing 2,000 pound of carp in one session, including three fish topping the 100 pound mark. This was at a venue called Euro Aqua in Hungary, where they banked more than 40 big fish, as they described it as an epic week's angling um the highlight of the trip was 111 pound mirror alongside other heavyweights of 101 and 100 pound they also added a brace of 90s a pair of 80s and 26 fish ranging from 40 to 79 pound so i mean <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for the sport i'll let the carp anglers uh, argue amongst themselves but for me wow 100 pound carp that's not to be sniffed at is it Brilliant. Next up in the news section of this week's Angling Times, um, quite interesting in how some of our funding is being used um, from the rod license sales. Obviously, there's been a big boost in uh, license sales, and it's now funding new research. And and one of the research that the uh, Environment Agency are looking at are around invasive species. Now, this is a big thing for those that fish, certainly fishing natural waterways. Um, but similarly, commercials have been affected by um, crayfish, otters, etc. So it does affect everybody. Um, and what this is, is fresh money and research um, funded by rod license sales promising to look into non-native species. So the key concerns, I won't go through the whole article because it is a big one, but it's a very important piece of work that's taking place. And I can think... Um, In my neck of the woods, where I am, I looked at the river Witham, which is sort of a 10-15 minute drive down the road from me this summer, and it was absolutely clogged with weed. I've never seen anything like it. In fact, I sent a picture to a couple of people and they thought it was a a dirty field. That's how bad it was. Now, my understanding is that that weed was an invasive species and it grew from, it could be some of the, the sort of phosphates that have come off the farming fields around there, but low and clear conditions a lack of rain over the summer as well didn't help to get rid of this weed now if there was any fish struggling underneath there i'd never have seen it because it was that thick that's just one example that's happening all over and what the angling times highlights here is um the five most um common which you must be alert to says there are methods to control and eradicate all of the main invasive offenders but you must get armed with the right information So Himalayan balsam, uh, pretty pink flowers, looks really nice, but it can actually destabilise banks. That's a big old issue. Um, That's one. Signal crayfish, again, local water to me. River Trent, I know on some of the tidal stretches, this is a real big issue. And what happens is they burrow into the banking, and again, it can cause erosion of the banks. Um, Similarly, they predate on fish eggs, so not good at all. Mink, crikey, we've all probably come across um wild mink whilst fishing on various watercourses there's an irony to it in terms of otters the introduction of otters has actually killed a lot of mink um but they are still a big issue of course giant hogweed being another one it can cause burn-like wounds to humans Uh, dead plants can uh, um, pose a risk as well and some of the other things such as japanese knotweed giant rhubarb um certain catfish terrapins certain shrimp the list goes on and on and on and i guess as we are more of a connected world then and and with climate change these things are going to continue so what can you do it does say here um further info and preventative measures um, are available you can email andrew.chadwick at anglingtrust.net he handles the south of england and ian.doyle at anglingtrust.net covers the north and you can drop those guys and ask for any advice and um, help you and your club get rid of invasive species so the next thing that caught my eye in uh, angling times and the last thing around sort of page 30 there's actually a a, a separate section called where to stay and fish now what this is talking about is booking in advance if you're thinking of a fishing trip fishing holiday uh, for 2022 and i can i guess i can back this up because somebody i work in travel myself and historically although things have changed the last few years with covid and, and some different buying trades in general historically january and early February is what we call in travel peaks. And that means that pretty much come Boxing Day, all the adverts hit the TV where all the tour operators and the airlines are advertising their holidays. And, and it sort of causes a bit of a rush to get booked up. And of course, something to look forward to for the forthcoming summer. And it makes sense that that is what Angling Times are sort of trying to promote here as well. Uh, there's a numerous pages, a really big bumper piece, Um on this and it and it does highlight certain areas as well certain places, so rookery Waters being one of them here uh, that's a place that I'll be visiting next year, and i am really looking forward to it uh, Lakeside as an example in Norfolk there as well so lots and lots of different places i mean we've covered some of these great locations before we spoke about Lindholm Lakes um at the last on the last podcast what a great setup what a place to go for a fishing holiday whether you're a match angler or whether you're a pleasure and it's got something for everybody um similarly my favorite destination in the whole of britain if you said to me where would you like to go fishing for a week tomorrow Dave? i'd be like right dockhole Pill straight away ireland of course is making a massive resurgence these last few years there's some great places in wales as well so I mean, have a little look at this. If you are thinking of getting away um, for a week next year, then then they are right, Angling Times. It's a good idea that they've put this in because things do get booked up quickly. And if you start preparing your mind and thinking about, well, where do I want to go next year? Now is the time uh, and think about booking up ASAP because things do book up really quickly. And I think for me, staycations, as they call it, um is very much here to stay now i think people that have got a taste of it and what we'll see going forward as things gradually improve travel wise is we'll have a mixture of the two families instead of having perhaps two uh foreign holidays a year or perhaps over uk and uh and a foreign holiday or as money's becoming tight and inflation rises as it's continuing to do so, perhaps people will cut out the foreign holiday completely and stay in the UK. So bear that in mind. If you are thinking of having a holiday, fishing with the, uh, whether it be with the family, with your friends next year, and get booked up now. So loads of good stuff in angling time this week. Really enjoyed having a read. Some great big catches. Won't go through them all. Um, and I'll talk about the tackle, which is in there as well a little bit later. So moving on to the monthly magazines. um, kicking off improved your course fishing page. 10 but also it does cross over into match fishing as well where there are two uh, similar approaches um targeting a water that brings back some fantastic memories for me and and i think for those feeder anglers amongst you it's a bit of a i guess it's a bit of a mecca really i mean i know there's lots and lots of similar waterways now that are are in vogue for feeder fishing but this one is rudyard lake and uh, i always remember fishing rudyard lake as a kid and it was just it was a bit of a magical place, really, because you had some of these lovely houses on the far bank, and, um, you know, it just seemed to be shrouded in mystery, and, and being a kid from the Northwest is a little bit different the way that we fished. Um, we were allowed something called Northwest Rules, early sort of like 90s and, and, and 80s, if you like, was um, you could use two two hooks, so two hook lengths, double hook rigs, obviously Gives you the opportunity to mix and match different hook baits. And and of course, if you get two fish on, then happy days. And that's what's taking place in um, improve your course fishing. Chap here, uh, Gareth Lambert, he's fishing a double hook rig and uh, manages a few bream. And in the match fishing magazine, it's uh, Andy May is on there as well. And I always remember as well, Richard, uh, the matches were always really well attended. There was always 60, 70. If I cast my mind, but I think it was a guy called Jimmy Garside rings a bell. He used to win a hell of a lot of matches. He was from around sort of Salford Way, and he used to head down there. I wonder whether he still fishes it. But the matches are growing again, and um, well, as demonstrated by two articles on the same venue uh, in the same month. So a popular place if you like your feeder fishing and uh, you want stunning scenery, then Rudyard Lake is you know a fantastic venue couple more pages in, on page 14 in Preview Course Fishing, some good-looking lad called uh, Dave Eastwood, (laughs) fishing a venue in Lincolnshire called Bainside House Fishery. Now, this is the second feature that I've done um, for Preview Course Fishing. The first one was fishing in sort of 15 feet of water in a place called Peacock Waters, and that was in spring. Well, the idea behind this feature was how to approach a bit of a mixed bag um, on a venue that's very much sort of a commercial but not in the respect that it's got lots of features it's a very traditional lake and i fished a waggler on this one and, and really really enjoyed my day it was very hard at first bit of a nip in the air but it demonstrates a good tactic fishing sort of wagon mag tactics uh, for autumn really enjoyed that so if you want to pick up a copy it's issue what is this month 383 this month so you'll get to see yours truly um, and improve your course fishing Another good read on a page, let me have a look. It is page 62. Chap called John Hudson. Um, he's fishing, basically ditching the bomb for an Olivet. Now, this is something I've done for a, a fair few years. I think it was an idea I got off of uh, Jamie Hughes. I think I saw him do it on an old map video years ago. And, and it just starts, it does make total sense in the fact that, in some respects, in summer, you're using that bomb to replicate the sound of a pellet hitting the water um you're also looking to to catch them on the drop with a long tail obviously in winter things are a little bit different and a little bit more finesse needed and that little plop that an olivette gives and and all it's like a fine-tuned approach um but it's still very versatile as well so it makes sense that in this magazine in preview course which is of course predominantly aimed at pleasure anglers just to give anglers a bit of something different to think about in respect of you know, bomb fishing in winter. A lot of perhaps anglers in winter think that they can just sling out a bomb with a bit of bread on a couple of discs and wait for the the, the sort of wrap around, and, and that just doesn't happen. A little bit of thought process. It's a good article by John Hudson. Uh, a final thing that I really liked in preview course fishing. I, I always do actually. Every month, Dead Ship does a um, like a his article if you like his piece, and this month it's called "My Golden Pole Fishing Rules." And what he's talking about is and again for this magazine but many match anglers are guilty of this i struggle sometimes getting your pole rollers right so he's telling you how to sort of get the angle right he's talking about the gaps he's talking about length of line between flow and tip and just some real nice reminders of you know getting yourself sorted as you enter your your winter campaign and and it, you know there's shit crikey he's on the front of both of these magazines this month Match fishing and improve your course fishing. That just goes to show. I mean, this guy's a real ambassador for the sport, isn't he? And, and and everything. When you read it, it's like common sense stuff that you think, "Why didn't I think of that myself?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, lovely stuff. So uh, for match pleasure anglers, there's ship in improve your course fishing? His top tips. Uh, for this month are well worth a read okay on to match fishing magazine and two articles of note for the river anglers amongst ourselves and and i guess the reason why they stand out for me is because their waters are pretty close to me i've already named checked them already in the uh the trent and the Witham. now the trent one is by a guy called andy starkey now he runs the midweek matches during the summertime uh, on the newark piscatorial waters and It's a series or, I guess, a number of Opens that I'd love to get involved in. But, you know, I work Monday to Friday, like most people, and it's just not something that I can get involved in. And it's a shame because there's some really good, consistent weights. And I think, if I remember rightly, numbers were going up to something like 70 or 80 um, anglers for a midweek Open, which is, you know, just phenomenal. Um, And what that means is that Newark Piscatorials can open up many, many stretches from East Stoke right the way through to sort of Winthorpe and um, and give anglers plenty of room. Now what this article or this feature is covering off from Andy is something that I'll take forward in my fishing on the river and um, I've got actually actual little winter series coming up over the next few weeks and he's talking about fishing a window feeder and the advantages of it um, pretty much a great way of getting loose feed down to the deck um, without using a traditional open-ended feeder where Actually, the reality is, depending on your ground bait mix, do we know how much is actually getting to the bottom or is going downstream in the flow? So it's pretty simple fishing the way he does it, but it's common sense. Once again, some of the things he's put in there, it's a case that you think, you know, why didn't I think of that myself? A um, couple of different lines, lovely net of fish, mainly perch, Um he's fishing chop worm in, in, in the mainstay. So, yeah, fantastic. And, uh, he's fishing the Rolleston stretch, which is a, a belting stretch, not somewhere that I've had a dabble yet, but, um, I know it's consistent because I can see it on the match weights in summer. Uh, now the Witham I mentioned uh, earlier on being uh, in the opposite direction to me, but this is a stretch right up from where I fished last year. A Guy called Neil Fisher. Um, he is fishing a uh, Grantham water, um, which is, yeah, GranthamAA.org.uk. And he's talking about, it's the upper with them. He's talking about catching fish on a stretch that is pretty much not much wider than sort of, you know, 10-12 metres and this upper with them, it winds, it twists there's deep holes, there's shallow runs, it's full of grayling I've heard reports of a lot of issues with otters, Um, when I fished last year I certainly didn't see any otters, I saw plenty of plenty of um, small minnows full of them but also lots of roach and perch and I caught my very first grayling as well on a similar stretch to this so it's one of those waters completely opposite to the Trent that I've just discussed, you know small Intimate stick float fishing—you can fish a whip, perhaps, um but also chub in there as well. And he, he ends up with a lovely net of sort of dace and and roach and and silvers. So another belting feature, just to finish off in Match Fishing Magazine, is uh, called Play It Safe. It's for the commercial anglers amongst ourselves, and it's Darren Cox. He visits Tunnel Barn Farm and explains the importance of creating safe zones in your peg. Essentially what he's doing is there on Club Pool, which is, for those that are not familiar with Tunnel, it's, it's quite a, a mixed water. It's like a canal pool, if you like, um, goes round with a central island, but there's a mixed stock of fish, a lot of F1s, of course, but there's barbel, tench, carp, chub, um, big roach, etc. And he fishes a sort of a, a meat approach, which, and it says... Meat can be deadly in winter where permitted. Now, I've never fished meat really in winter up until about now, perhaps late autumn. But once those frosts start, I tend to veer away. I'm always under the impression that meat, um, the oils can congeal. So it will go back in itself rather than you know slick across the water like you're getting warmer water but no according to darren well worth a try can be absolutely deadly and he talks about uh he mixes up don't just fish meat but he uses meat expanders red maggots and of course a little bit of bread as well um so good tips uh for colder conditions when targeting mixed commercial waters so that is match fishing magazine Uh, next up something completely different as i alluded to earlier on so um Whether this continues being something that I purchase, or whether I review or talk through it on the podcast, I'm 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 not sure. It's doubtful because I don't believe that this magazine necessarily, you know, um, appeals to the listenership. However, I came across something um, as a specialist anglers magazine if that makes sense and something i'd never heard of before so i thought i'd get myself uh, the latest edition which just happens to be a very special edition called uh, it's edition 25 it's the 25th one um, and it's called catch cult and what this focuses on as i say it's more of a specimen anglers uh, magazine if you like But it is just the most wonderfully put together piece of reading that I've seen in a long, long time. Now, this is not cheap, which is why I don't know how much I'll continue with it. But compared to the, I don't think it's every month as well. I think it's by month. It's £8. Now, when I think, um, what is, let's have a look. Now, match fishing is now, what is that, £4.75 a month. And the groovy course fishing is £4.20. So I'm actually spending nearly a tenner a month on two magazines there anyway. So thinking about it, catch call, if it's bi-monthly, it's actually not bad value. Now, it's headed up by a guy called Martin Mumby. Um, and I came across it online initially and thought I'd check it out. They've got social media, they've got a Facebook page, etc. So I checked it out, had a bit of a scan around. And as I'm a big fan of Tench, I saw a couple of articles from Specimen Tench Anglers. So it wet my whistle and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And I've ordered it, it landed on my doorstep literally yesterday. And I just quickly skimmed through. I've not had a chance to sit down and have a real read yet. All I can say about this magazine is it just feels completely classy it's not front to back with lots of uh, advertisements there's one or two in here of course but um it's more editorial there's a lot of content in here um but uh, yeah, it's like pretty much almost like an independent magazine. And uh, I it's one of those where I probably should have heard of it for, uh, before now, but um, I'll have a good old read of this and, and perhaps we'll reconvene next year and look at this. But there is one article that that's, I told you about Tench and it's called Tinker Travels and it's by Die Gribble. And if those of you that do follow, you know, all sorts of angling. You'll probably know who Di is. He's won many Drennan cups and all the rest of it for various species of fish. But yeah, um, he basically talks about his trials and tribulations with Tench, which is my favourite fish. So I'll definitely look forward to that. And there was another one as well, actually caught my eye, this um, about catching golden massia in India, which is, well, you know, if anybody remembers the old John Wilson um, gold fishing when he was trying to catch that fish over in India that we'll remember... Uh, what a magical fish that is as well so catch cult international edition 25 is out on sale now and uh, we'll probably reconvene and have a catch up with that on the next podcast in 2022 now finally another thing again something slightly different Um, if you are a member of the angling trust then this week you will receive your copy of the angler which is the official membership magazine for all uh, angling trust and fish legal now, I don't want to get into this because I know people have strong views on the Angling Trust. For me, and I think it's insane that anybody would not want to be a member of the Angling Trust, if not to enter the competitions that are run by them, uh, Fishermania, et cetera, and the Nationals, then actually just to contribute towards your own sport and you know the work that Fish Legal does in terms of taking big companies to court and all the rest of it is just you know second to none. And without them, working alongside other agencies, of course, um you know it's a real big thing but the one thing i wanted to highlight i mean for the cost of like whatever it is 20 quid a year um you are contributing to supporting the sport that gives you so much joy and 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 if you like it or not um the angling trust is the recognized governing body for angling in the in england at least but a lot of people have an issue with apparently where's it gone Uh, The finances of the trust. Well, if you were a member and you got the magazine, then you can see at the back is the full financial report with the full breakdown of all the costings there. And it's available online, of course, as well. So um, if you're not a member and you're still questioning the finances of the trust, then ask a friend that is a member uh, for a copy of The Angler, which will uh, give you a breakdown of that as well. But for me, you know, it's a must. Um, They do a lot for the sport a lot of stuff that you don't probably know about and um, it's well worth 20 quid a year just to support the sport that gives you so much joy so there we go lots and lots to dive into angling time this week the usual monthlies and uh, that new magazine catch cult so let's now have a little dive into the tackle shed
2: for all your fishing needs be sure to check out fishing evolution boasting two floors of branded displays visit our recently expanded superstore at Hadley Road in Sleaford where we offer a huge range of tackle from all of the leading course and cart brands such as Nash, Fox, Korda, Drennan, Preston, Guru, Daiwa and many many more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram where we share all of the latest news and updates about products available in store.
0: Welcome to the Tackle Shed and once again for the uninitiated this is where we take a look at the tackle that's being reviewed and looked at and launched in the mainstream media Um, and of course anything that's been tried and tested by myself I'll always drop a little hint or a tip in there if I think that it will help you pick up a piece of kit. Um, Now kicking off with the first thing in this week's Angling Times there's a section in there called Bargain Hunter and I've name checked this before and they do a good job wrangling times sort of searching through the different tackle companies and seeing what's going one that caught my eye as we're in winter now well on the edge of winter and temperatures will be dropping next week sadly Um, there's a matrix sherpa hoodie which actually looks real good quality as well and very stylish um, at totalfishingtackle.com and it's a tenner off so it should be 50 quid and it's down to 40 so if you're after a new fleece that could be one similar future fishing just up the road from me in Newark. Um, they've got Garbolino Super Rocket Keep Nets, two and a half metres, should be 45 quid. They're down to 25, so well worth a look. Um, and in the actual main tackle itself, loads and loads of stuff, there's actually um, a whole section on new dio kit for 2022. Similarly, on the last podcast, I think we went through quite a lot of in-depth stuff for... Um, Preston innovations. We also touched on some matrix gear not long ago as well. Well, it's Dyer was turned to get the hand, get their gear in the hands of Mark Sawyer. So, air zed AGS match rods. Fantastic. But 500 to 600 quid if you've got that sort of money but on the opposite side of that the new matchman float range looking at this they've got 10 11 and 12 foot plus a 13 foot rod design 45 quid so from the sublime to the ridiculous really um you know and i'm sure they're very much usable at 45 pound with that matchman feeder range 50 quid 9 10 11 and 12 foot rods um feeder reels one there called the 21 qd £435, so I guess what I'm trying to highlight there is actually they have got something for each range, uh, each price point, whether it be budget or whether it be right the way up to top end. One thing that does look quite interesting that caught my eye was they've got something coming out called a fold and go match barrel. Um, Now, it's basically, it's it's an all-in-one that folds pretty much flat. And I don't believe that it's just for Daiwa boxes. I think most boxes can go on this. It looks a really good, clever design. Uh, my problem with it, 300 quid. So in some respects, I get it. If you're going to be spending sort of five, 600 quid on your seat box, then you want it to be protected when you're, you know, going over rough ground and all the rest of it. But 300 quid, you compare that to, you know, your matrix, your mat. Um, you press the innovations barrows, this is three times as much. Um What did catch my eye though is the Matchman uh, luggage range. Now, they're well known at Iowa for top quality gear and the luggage is no different whatsoever. Um What you've got is a range here to appeal to all the Matchman range. It's that sort of budget brand if you like. Um, but striking red logo across uh, jet black luggage, everything from Cool bags, rod bags, carryalls, etc. So that will tick many boxes for Daiwa fans. Uh, there's a new commercial net pack. As far as I can remember, back at least sort of ten, fifteen years, Daiwa have done a commercial pack. So you have a silver keep net and a carp keep net with a landing net and a and a uh, and a net bag. Hundred quid in this instance. Uh, I think standout though for me, being you know a bit of a fan of, of trotting a stick float or chucking a waggler out, is they've got a new connoisseur pro match range and we've spoke about this with keith arthur with tommy pickering who designed that original um, range of connoisseur rods and this is their latest iteration of the rod Uh, ranging between 185 to 235 quid so not out of the reach of of certainly most uh, top match anglers but everything from 13 foot to 17 foot as well now cadence uh, tackle have really got a hold on the natural water anglers because they've got those longer rods um, that do that type of job whereas some of the major mainstream tackle manufacturers have it's not that they've avoided or dismissed the ideas and they do have some products um, similar to cadence it's just they don't have such a wide range now maybe Dyer are looking at that and thinking hmm, well we're missing a trick here you know we were the original innovators of, of great river rods um, and float rods let's have a go again. So maybe that Connoisseur range, because it's in a very similar price point to those top-end cadence rods. So lots and lots of good stuff from Daiwa coming out in 2022. Um, Next up, I mentioned about that Sherpa fleece, but they've actually done um, a review on what they call high-tech winter warmers. And I've been thinking about this myself. I think earlier on in the year, on one of the podcasts, um, I (laughs) complained about my feet getting cold. Um, Well, what he's doing here is looking at... um, what can keep you nice and toasty throughout the winter? And it ranges really from everything to heated undergarments, um, to base layers, to socks, of course. Uh, now, a couple of these things I've got. So, first of all, merino wool socks. So, I think uh, last year, earlier on in the winter, I spoke about the Preston Celsius socks that were okay a tenner whatever they were but actually got some merino ones from um was uh, ski Tex, and those ski Tex ones were fantastic for the price i think they were six or seven quid here they cover off the guru merino ones um so it's probably similar But what i have got is uh, the diowa sleep skin suit and it's something that i've had under a suit a few times but i've actually got too hot and this was pretty much on the edge of sub zero temperatures. So, this stuff definitely works. You can wear it against your skin you and pop a t shirt on and wear it over the top. I've actually ended up wearing pretty much a lightweight pair of waterproof trousers over the bottoms and use the top as pretty much, you know, an outer top, if you like, not necessarily under a jacket. So, I can highly recommend the Dio Sleeps. I think mine's Sundridge, but same thing. So, well worth a look here. So, if you're in the market, for some undergarment, shall we say, for winter. Um, they look at everything from heated underwear through to some of the mainstream uh, tackle releases as well. So that's angling times. Okay, on to improve your course fishing magazine and the new gear that's revealed this month. So for match anglers, um, sticking with that theme, uh, pole anglers, new pole rollers. So you've got Preston's new Inception flat rollers for 80 quid. Look good, look the part. Uh, nice and high um, they come in three models, flat, XL flat, and super XL flat. Sorry, I should have said from 79 99 So those three models will have different price points, of course. Um, I, spy, I spied these actually not long ago, and I, I don't really know the ins and outs of these, but new Guru hooks called Kuranku. So the Kuranku is the latest edition of Guru's range of natural water hooks. Uh, they have a unique crank shape with a wide gape and offset point. Black nickel coating helps durability and prolongs sharpness. Pattern looks perfect for a range of natural water baits such as maggots, pinkies, casters on both pole and feeder. So they could be interesting to give a go um, on the river this winter as well. Uh, For the specimen angle, there's quite a a nice piece here. Um, Looks like it's a Shakespeare uh, advert article. Yep, so SKP is the specimen brand of shakespeare if you like and they've got a new feeder chair with a host of accessories and that looks the part these feeder chairs are becoming pretty much all the rage now what i like about this it's 150 quid but it's got a it's got a foot plate as well which is pretty unique in 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 some respects i know the new preston one that came out um had a foot plate but yeah so shakespeare one looks good um, so that's it really for improving course fishing but what i did like they've done on page uh, 81 christmas gift guide <laughs> because it's that time of the year you know and you could be looking to purchase a fishing item for a loved one or um, treat yourself maybe and these look at a couple of different things. The usual things like sunglasses, which are a must, actually, in winter when that sun's low. You've got Ski-Tex boots. You've got various Willow Grange, which looks to be doing a couple of, like, uh, you know, bivy items, if you like. They're all branded carp life. They look quite good for the carp angler. Um, so, yeah, different things, gift cards and stuff. So, maybe check that out if you're in the market for... Um, A gift for Christmas. New gear section of match fishing, then. Um, More pole rollers. These ones by KND, Keep Next Direct. And I must say, these do catch the eye because of the price point. 50 quid, uh, double roller, um, nice extendable legs. They do have a look, I've got the map rollers, and they do have a look of those map rollers, very similar. But for 49 99 and come with a carry bag, uh, definitely good value for money. Similarly, um, something striking, I think, that really looks the part, um, Matrix Horizon Compact Carry All. Now, 80 quid, but EVA base, uh, moulded EVA base, lots of PVC construction there as well for water, proofness if that's a word um, and a number of these sort of eva cases that drop inside and it's the dimensions that i'm interested in it's only 30 centimeters high so the idea is of course pack everything down and with that as well comes the new range you'll see just have a look online look at drennan their new eva range which i think not replacing those traditional uh, material holdalls but the idea is to have a compact carry all made up of numerous um, like a modular system inside i guess so you can put all your accessories in nice and tidy uh, and it all fits inside a smaller more compact eva carryall so that's could be if you're looking to save space in your car or just essentially tidy up your tackle a little bit these eva solutions although this matrix one isn't complete eva um there's a lot of pvc involved pu coating etc uh, that seems to be the way that luggage is going at the moment I'm not too sure i'll swap swap, uh, swap over just yet um i'll look at the benefits of that for now but for me, for me i just throw everything in my traditional old school carry all and it ends up weighing a ton but yeah that needs to change uh, that is for sure uh now the polls we spoke last month about the Preston range of superior poles, uh, old Tom Scoldy gets the X 90 out and gives that a thorough workout. Um, he's very impressed. Apparently this is the one that retails at about 3000 quid. Um, yeah, so he rules the roost over that. And, uh, Yeah, so he looks at that and gives it a thorough testing. There's a new range of pole floats out from Garbalino as well. They're uh, distributed through Benix Sports. Um, Darren Cox basically talks you through what each of those patterns and models do. So that's useful also. Uh, I think from a tried and tested perspective, for me, um, I think I'm now, I must say, into... What, my third or fourth year with my Matrix box that I use. Now, if you're in the market for a new seat box, which I am or was, should I say, I've been looking at new boxes for a while. Don't know which route to go down. I said last month um, I like these deep bases and, and sort of a number of cross drawers and a number of winder trays at the top rather than a framed unit but those boxes just don't exist now so i've been looking around and you know what i've decided just to stick to my own it's an s25 it's not even got those big 36 legs which keeps it a bit lighter to be fair i have put an extra tray on there but it's had an absolute hammer in and i actually decided to even give it a little bit of a wash this month um and i think i got mine in a black friday deal um about three or four years ago and i've had it ever since and it's not let me down whatever i've not had a single leg slip um it's just every now and then i get this urge to have a change and you know what i might still do but for now i'm holding on to my matrix box it's nice and tidy i've cleared all the drawers out i've given it a good old clean it looks brand new so yeah i'm sure i'll get a, a fair few months out of that as well so that's it for the tackle shed and uh We will reconvene in 2022 and see what else is going to be new. And on that note, that is the end of the final episode for 2021. Once again, a big thank you for everybody that's tuned in and had a listen, everybody that shared the podcast or told their mates. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure putting these together. From what seemed like a bit of a crazy idea back in January to where we are now, less than a year later, it's been a great journey. We've had some great guests. A massive thank you to all the guests that have sat in the big chair for the big chat. And share their stories, share their knowledge, share their experiences. And uh, I know that a lot of them have enjoyed it just as much as I have. And I'm sure I'll ask some of those guys to come back uh, for 2022. What I'd like to do next year as well, I'd like to have some lady anglers on. Um, So if there are any ideas from the listeners um, who you would like to listen to uh, from a lady angling perspective, that would be great. I'll also maybe try and diversify as well. I have approached the Angling Trust in the past for... um, for, for somebody to come on and talk about what they do and the benefits, and also uh, how instrumental they were in ensuring that we could fish throughout the lockdowns uh, previously, uh, they declined. They said my listenership wasn't big enough. So that means I need more listeners so I can reapproach them again um, if that interests people. Uh, I may even talk about to fishery owners as well. We did the fishery special last month with Alex. Um, and it could be that something uh, interests some of these fishery owners, talk about what they do, how they manage their waters, maybe answer any sort of myths that are, that are out there, you know, whispers of their waters and and talk about that as well. So it might be a go down that route also. So we might well diversify in 2022. Uh, I'm also conscious that this podcast is very match fishing focused, which is my game so you know it appeals to me and it appeals to the listeners so far looking at the figures but if people want to listen to others and other stories then of course i could go down the specimen route as well and uh, diversify a little bit more but i'm all all is i'm open to suggestions Uh, if you drop me an email or drop me a message on social media my email is eastwood angling at gmail.com or you can find my uh, social media page at two pints of maggots and a packet of hooks uh, the fishing podcast on there as well so thank you uh, once again thank you very much for listening um i wish you a fantastic christmas and new year and we'll speak again in 2022 tight lines <laughs>